calls it was Sophie Le Lloyd Miss right. make her bigger where'd she go yeah Sophie Lloyd on YouTube if you ever want to listen to some good guitar shredding she's awesome at that uh she has some original songs and some uh, popular songs that she plays along to. So we're going to talk tickety-tock-tock. I am not on TikTok, by the way. I will never, ever, ever join that platform. That is for weirdos, preverts, and just downright degenerates. Sorry to all the young folk that are on TikTok uh, and all the, well, who gives a crap? I'm not sorry, really. TikTok is just something that does not strike me as uh, exciting, so... 
not going to be on TikTok. I just said TikTok hickory dickory dock a moment ago. But I'm not going to go to TikTok. I'll be on there next week. So, <laughs> I want to talk about my favorite football team, the Raiders. The Raiders. And I'm going to cover, recap, and give some op-editorials on the WWE visiting Saudi Arabia. Uh, That was uh, very, very interesting. So, with that, John Gruden resigned as coach of the Raiders. Uh, Maybe was fired, maybe was forced to resign. Um, Mark Davis seems to have tossed him under the bus, so to speak, uh, recently when uh, first asked asked about, asked about the John Gruden situation, Mark Davis responded, ask the league, they know everything. Uh, what happened was uh, on a... Thursday Eve, some emails, well, not really the full emails, this is what you got to understand, the the NFL, somebody at the NFL headquarters leaked excerpts of emails from John Gruden to somebody, uh, I guess in the Washington Redskins organization, now known as the Washington football team, but they'll always be the Redskins to me. Maybe I'll bring that point up later, but... So, there was an investigation into uh, workplace harassment, mainly from the Washington... Here, I'll be nice and say Washington football team. uh, The football team's cheerleaders. uh, About 40... Employees have a pretty badass female attorney who is uh, ripping the NFL and the Washington Football League a new one. Now, these emails are part of a court record, but in the court records, names are redacted. They're blacked out. So, you can see the body of the email and what the person said, but you can't see the name. So, the NFL sends, somebody at the NFL headquarters secretly, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, passes these off to the New York Times and the Washington Post, and out of 650,000, thousand emails uh, approximately 10 or 11 or maybe a little more all from John Gruden end up in the paper and these are not the complete email you don't see the other side of the conversation you just see quotes and things that the NFL uh, took out of the emails specific sentences uh, his reference to specific people and players. 
And these things he said were very unkind, very uh, mean-spirited. But if I looked at this, looking at this, I'm like, man, John Gruden's a jerk. And John Gruden's always been known as a jerk. I'll get to that a little later. Uh, he's not a, a warm, fuzzy kind of guy. I never thought he was. You know, I think, uh, you know, when he's with his family, when he's with his players that he cares about, he's got a great reputation of being uh, a nice guy uh, on an individual basis. Uh, a lot of his players took his side. Uh, quarterback Derek Carr was visibly shaken up by uh, Coach, as he calls John Gruden, Coach, have, having these problems. And John Gruden, after the first round of emails came out, uh, still coached a football game. And he had a team meeting with his players and said, hey, look, I, I said some stupid things that I regret. Uh, I'm sorry if I hurt anyone. Uh, one of the, let me read here, I have some bullet points. Uh, so what's in these emails? What's in the emails? He said that the head of the NFL Players Association has Michelin tire lips. And you can barely understand what he says when he talks. Uh, a lot of people took this as uh, the old reference to African-American people having large lips. Uh, as Malcolm X once said, uh, who taught you to hate your big lips? It was the white man. So that's where the accusation of racism came from. His African-American players came out and said, well, he's cool with me. He's always nice to me. Yeah, he treats me good. So there's no proof that he's, you know, racist. He's drafted many black players, coached many black players, and we've never heard any allegation uh, against him. Now, the definition of racism today is extremely broad. I had this discussion with someone a few years ago about how, uh, you know, and he's a, he was a black guy, and his opinion uh, and the new opinion of what's racist is everyone and everything. Uh, it's very broad definition. When I was coming up, if you were racist, you didn't have black friends. If you were a racist football coach, which is almost impossible now, to uh, to not draft uh, black players, you know they're the high they're the stars of the NFL. I mean, they're the highest paid players. Uh, you know, maybe a few quarterbacks make more, but Patrick Mahomes, who's uh, biracial, is up there, one of the, the great quarterbacks of all time, uh, already in his early career, and one of the highest paid quarterbacks. Uh, anyways, uh, with the African-American players in the NFL, you basically don't have a football team if you were racist enough to not draft black players. But at one time in the NFL, that was a thing. 
it, there weren't a lot of black players and there were you know colleges and pro teams that did not recruit or draft black players so in that regard you know to me racist means you don't have black friends you don't associate with people of other races i shouldn't just you know narrow it down to one uh but the definition of racism has become much broader now now it's the words you say make you a racist so that email dump did not bury john gruden he still coached the next day a hall of fame wide receiver uh, all-time Raider great and probably all-time NFL great Tim Brown came out hard to defend John Gruden and say John, said John Gruden is not a racist person. Well, then Tuesday comes and this is when John Gruden finally has to throw in the towel and resign. A second email dump happens during the day. He called the NFL uh, commissioner, Roger Goodell, a homophobic slur. Uh, starts with an F and ends with a T. I will not call it the F word because the F word is F-U-C-K. But it's a slur. It's not a kind thing to say. Um... He also said that the league pressured uh, coach Jeff Fisher into drafting a gay defensive end, Michael Sams, from the University of Missouri. Uh, through Michael Sams' entire college career, he was not openly gay as far as I can remember. I remember when this hit, um, he wasn't gay until he wanted to play in the NFL. And his whole thing was, I want to be the first openly gay football player. And I'm sure there are a lot of gay guys in the NFL. They're just not open, which I, I think is, uh, well, I don't think anything of it, actually. Uh, one of my favorite players, Carl Nassib of the Raiders, came out uh, over the summer as openly gay. And, uh, I, you know, I tweeted him did some tweets. I'm sure he read them. Uh, actually, I think maybe he did like the tweet. Well, anyways, he, uh, you know, I told him, you know, you got my respect. I, I really, you know, that's a, a brave thing that you did. Uh, and he's one of the best defensive players in football. I mean, he, he can get at the quarterback. He can stop the run. Uh, he's always in the backfield uh, every game of the opposing team uh, so but with Carl Nassib uh, if John Gruden were a racist or a homophobe if John Gruden hated gay people would wouldn't he have you know benched Carl Nassib wouldn't he have traded Carl Nassib would he not have you know basically tried to ruin the guy's career I remember back in the late 80s, early 90s, the Raiders owner, Al Davis, was uh, not racist at all, but so jealous of Marcus Allen 
that Marcus Allen was stealing Al's spotlight that Davis told Marcus Allen, I'm going to I'm going to make sure you never get in the Hall of Fame. And he made sure that Marcus had less playing time even though Marcus was voted Mr. Raiders by his teammates uh, several times because he was the first one in the gym in the morning and the last one out of the facility at night. Uh, but would, wouldn't John Gruden do the same kind of thing to Carl Nassib if he was... Uh, I hate to say homophobic because nobody's afraid of gay people. Phobic means fear. Nobody fears gay people. And it, it's not a big deal. It's socially accepted now. You know, it, it, it is. And I live in a rural hick area. But anyways. So, the uh, misogynistic, I guess that's a new slur they have for straight white men, uh, Emails come out. Uh, he Gruden doesn't like uh, female referees, female coaches. Uh, even though the Raiders had a, a female assistant coach, um, uh, and I don't know how he interacts with the female refs. I know with the ref, he's known. John Gruden is known for being very vulgar and screaming at referees. Uh, I don't know how he interacts with the female referees. I've never seen him. Never seen him treat them differently than he does the male refs. So, I don't know. Uh, but if he were that... Uh, anti-female anti wouldn't he, you know, say, oh, you, you messed up that, you blew that call because you're a woman. Oh, you call the game the penalties differently because you're a woman. Never heard him say anything like that to a female ref, but did hear him say a lot of worse things to male referees. Uh, the thing that um, gets me, Colin Hurd, if you can find it on YouTube, I guess maybe YouTube search, uh, shouldn't encourage you to YouTube anything after what they did to me, but that's still the, the main video platform. Uh, YouTube, uh, Colin Hurd and on John Gruden. So, let me backtrack a bit. Yesterday, the Raiders had a team press conference, uh, and all the players, including Derek Carr, said it was much calmer on the sidelines than typical. Uh, a lot of the players... Uh, offensive and defensive liked the sideline atmosphere. Uh, there wasn't screaming at referees, they said. There was nobody 
you know, yelling at you when you made a mistake. Uh, you know, if you if you made a bad play, the coaches would come over and coach you. They wouldn't just scream at you. And this brings me to a point uh, Colin Hurd brought up that John Gruden is a lot like Bobby Knight was. When Bobby Knight was winning, he was able to be loud, brash, uh, obnoxious, frankly, violent-tempered. And Bobby Knight was that way when he worked at ESPN. He was very bullheaded, difficult to get along with. And Colin Hurd said the same thing about John Gruden. He wanted, uh, he wanted Gruden to come on his talk show, but Gruden wanted to dictate the topics, wanted to dictate the questions that he was asked. And Hurd said, no, this is the Hurd show. It's not the, I'm, I'm going to tell you what to say show. So uh, Gruden had this reputation of being uh, brash, being difficult to deal with, being uh, an alpha male, being narcissistic, uh, which that's another word that's being overused now, but uh, very much the guy that has to dominate things. I call it little man syndrome, and John Gruden's certainly not a very tall person in stature. He has grown quite a few inches around the waist since he was his first time coaching the Raiders, but uh, when the players came out and said, yeah, the sideline was much better, we were cheering one another on, we were... Uh, when the defense was out there and we needed to get the ball back, we, need, we needed them to make a stop. The offensive players were cheering on the defensive players, which is something that didn't happen before. Because there was this overwhelming personality on the sideline who was already doing enough screaming and ranting and carrying on, that there was no real... <coughs> uh, way for the players to cheer their own teammates on. So, I guess that you could say John Gruden sucked the air out of the sidelines, and maybe his personality was toxic to the team. They started out 3-2, and two, or 3-0, and oh, pardon me. Uh, then they lost 2, and then they won this last game under their new head coach. But maybe this uh, Brasaccia is the guy to lead the Raiders into the future. I know the Raiders were very successful uh, with uh, Jack Del Rio, and then they started getting uh, injuries out the wazoo, and I think he, he was wrongly fired. Uh, one mistake that the Raiders management, uh, Reggie McKenzie made at the time, the general manager, uh, was letting a really good offensive coordinator leave and then bringing, uh, promoting the uh, quarterback coach to offensive coordinator. The guy he promoted was seen to be a future star offensive coordinator in the NFL, but they let go a 
bigger star offensive coordinator, an established offensive coordinator. And that ended up being Jack Del Rio's downfall because uh, things started to sputter, injuries mounted, Carr was getting banged up and hurt a lot. So anyways, but back to John Gruden, I think he just had the toxic personality. The, the latest, not so greatest on this, because you can't call anything about this situation great, very unfortunate, very inappropriate, but uh, John Gruden was being interviewed by HBO Sports with Bryant Gumble. Greg Gumble or Bryant? Greg was Bryant. And uh, anyways, he was asked, being interviewed about Mark Davis. And then someone, of course, had to say, well, you know, John, what about the emails? And all he said was, you know, eventually the truth will come out. So that's being called a cryptic statement from John Gruden on the emails. I don't know what's cryptic about that, but there are 650,000 emails that the NFL is not releasing to the public, and I think they should all be released. Let's see what the owners and coaches and uh, brought. John Gruden was a broadcaster at the time of these emails. So let's see what all the broadcasters and everyone has to say about the uh, Commissioner Goodell, who I think is a good commissioner. Uh, I'm about the only person I know that thinks that, but anyways, that's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. Um, also, uh, let's see what people think of you know black players. Let's see what other coaches and owners think of gay players. Let's see what was said and done to the Washington Redskins cheerleaders and by who. You know, let's, let's let it all out. Why are they going after one guy? And I think it's because the NFL wants to show the uh, extreme, you know, the, the liberal, the, what do you call them, the cancel crowd that hey look we're woke you know they want to show the woke crowd hey we're, we're woke we're progressive look what we did to this mean misogynistic uh sort of racist guy i say sort of racist because he's never said i hate black people never says he's never said i hate women but they come up with these new terms, you know, homophobic, that's been around a long time. Uh, misogynistic, yeah, it's a common word, but now it's got a broader definition. They broaden out the definition of racist to include anything and everything. And uh, to me, racist people are evil people. But the way the term racist is being thrown around now, it's starting to lose a little bit punch. Uh, as you see with this first batch of emails that came out about the, you know, the Michelin Tire Lips comment about the head of the Players Association. Um, that didn't bury John Gruden. His 
one second and I'll relight my cigar. His former and current black players all said, hey, he's, he's cool to me. He's nice to me. But uh, I think this was the NFL answering to the woke mob and saying, hey, we're, we're woke. We're with you. We're progressive. Don't worry. We're not going to leave you woke mafia. And uh, another thing that uh, might have been heard or someone else pointed out, the league has grown its fan base to the NFL. It's the league I'm referring to has grown its fan base to like 178 million people and 43% of them are women. So, you know, when the uh, alleged racist comment did did not bury him, uh, and it was a rude comment, but again, my definition of racism is saying I hate another race or races. Um... It's not saying something stupid. So anyhow, I ask you to ask yourself, every conversation you've ever had that you thought was private been a conversation where you didn't lose your temper, didn't say something off off the cuff, off color, derogatory about somebody else when you thought that pri- that conversation was going to be kept in private this was just the NFL having to respond to and make an example and bury somebody uh, as far as you know answering to the woke mob and John Gruden got thrown under the bus Maybe deservingly so. Uh, I'm a Raider through and through. Raider fan. So I want my team to win. And if this Briscoccia coach can bring a different attitude and mentality to my Raiders and make them win, I'm all for him. And I thought Gruden was going to get fired after this season anyway if they didn't win the Super Bowl. Because uh, he hasn't done great. He tore down a 12-4 and team to rebuild it in his image. Now, they did get a lot of good players out of that, but they also took some risky moves and drafted some players that weren't so good and have not panned out. Some of them are not with the team anymore. Uh, And, you know, everyone thought a couple years ago, I'll give you an example, they were going to draft this defensive end from Kentucky. He was the best defensive end uh, at that spot in the draft. And instead, they draft Cleveland Farrell from Clemson, who looked, seemed like he had a lot of upside and potential, and he hasn't panned out like uh, John Gruden and Mike Maylock said he would. So maybe some of these risky draft picks will change now, and they'll, they'll be a little better on that, but... Uh, to sum it up, I don't really think that he should have had to resign over these uh, ignorant emails. Uh, it's something that he said 10 years ago. 
Uh, he's never shown any hatred towards female coaches on his staff or female referees or gay players or black players. Um, and everyone that's dealt with him said, you know, he's not the easiest, nicest guy to get along with. Uh, but he is not a racist or a homophobe or a sexist. He's not an abusive person. So, anyway. Of course, the nail in his coffin was he called the NFL commish the gay slur. So, that that's going to bury you in... Uh, yeah, the league might have pressured Mark Davis to pressure John Gruden to resign, but you, you can't call the commissioner a, a, a homophobic racial slur or a homosexual slur and expect to be in the, the league much longer. So anyways... The other thing I wanted to get at is uh, my other favorite sport, professional wrestling. They signed a controversial 10-year, $10 billion deal, or maybe $100 billion. It was insane the amount of money that the Saudi Arabian govern government uh, forked out to World Wrestling Entertainment to do uh, at least one uh, big show in Saudi Arabia every year. And this is like, it's almost as good as WrestleMania or any of the big uh, shows they put on in the United States. Uh, it's called Crown Jewel. And the new king of Saudi Arabia is trying to... Uh, westernize or modernize the country and its image and so the centerpiece of what the the Saudi government is calling Saudi season uh, they kicked it off and the centerpiece of the kickoff week was WWE crown jewel in Saudi Arabia and this is very progressive very uh, earth-shattering. Uh, you had two Jewish men, Bill Goldberg and Paul Heyman, uh, allowed into Saudi Arabia and allowed to uh, perform their sport. Uh, you had five women and one female referee allowed to perform their sport. Uh, do their job uh, in a country that has not been known for uh, treating women well in the past, is not known for its women's rights. Uh, I talked to a girl from Saudi Arabia who was here learning to teach. She spoke great English, by the way. She had no accent. No, I mean, she spoke better English than me. Uh, but she was here to learn to be an English teacher to go back to Saudi Arabia and teach Saudi kids English. And so she was saying she likes the United States better because she has rights 
This is what I'm saying when it, I, it was earth shattering for these WWE women to be able to go to Saudi Arabia and wrestle and for uh, Lady Ref Jess to be able to referee matches. Uh, the women had to wear turtleneck body suits and the only thing that could be showing were their hands and their faces. Uh, they didn't have their normal excessive amount of makeup on which made them all the more beautiful in my opinion but uh, they had to they couldn't wear shorts they had to be covered from head to toe and then they had to wear a t-shirt over top of that on an 82 degree day so I'm sure in that wrestling ring it was well over a hundred degrees uh, I I really don't know. I know when uh, they probably didn't because everyone was just sweating, dripping sweat, uh, the wrestlers more than usual. And they still put on good, solid matches. You know, they didn't cut any corners. This was a great, great wrestling match uh, from top to bottom. But uh, you had uh, the new king of Saudi Arabia trying to show the world that Saudi Arabia is becoming westernized, they're becoming modern, uh, and it was beautiful to see the kids with these big smiles, uh, people holding up signs just like we do here in America for our favorite wrestler or the wrestlers we don't like, um, to see kids in Hulkamania t-shirts, uh, someone I grew up loving as a wrestler. And to me, it was just a, I said, you know, world peace brought to you by the WWE and Vince McMahon. I think I tweeted out or something like that. Uh, so anyways, the, to the, the show itself, every match from top to bottom was a great match. The wrestlers didn't hold back. Uh, the first match out on the, what they call pre-show the lead-up show to the main show, the hype show, maybe that's a better word for it, uh, the Usos beat Sheldon Benjamin and Cedric Alexander in a great match, uh, kicking off the crown jewel, the, the full, the regular show, uh, Edge defeated Randy Orton, not Randy Orton, what am I thinking, why did I write that? Edge defeated Seth Rollins with a curb stomp on the chair. I kept calling, I just realized in my notes, I kept calling Seth Rollins Randy Orton. <laughs> That's stupid. Uh, well, anyways, uh, Seth Rollins was up on the top rope at one point, uh, getting ready to do some kind of maneuver. Edge knocked him off of the top rope into the Hell in a Cell cage, which is... I don't know, three or four feet from the ring. And then Seth hit the cage about 10 feet up. Came crashing back through uh, a table. That's about as big of a bump as you're going to see at a Hell in a Cell match from now on. Uh, you're not going to see anybody getting thrown off the top of the cage like uh, Mick Foley did. <laughs> Remember that. Uh, the next was a Saudi-born wrestler called Mansoor. 
Uh, he defeated Mustafa Ali. This was two Muslim men uh, wrestling. Pretty historic there. Uh, Mansoor won. And then Tarek Hamid, Hamidi. Ham. Hamdi. H-A-M-D-I. Is how you spell his last name. He was a silver medal uh, karate winner at the Olympics. Uh, he came out to help Mansoor after the match. He roundhouse kicked Mustafa Ali and knocked him out. And the crowd went wild. It was their lo local Olympic hero come back to uh, help their local wrestling hero. So pretty awesome. Next you had AJ Styles versus RK Bro. And Matt Riddle came down to the ring riding a camel, which I just thought was awesome. That was so cool, so playing to the crowd. Riddle's, you know, kind of a goofball, comic kind of wrestler. Legitimate badass, though. I mean, he was a mixed martial artist before he got into wrestling. But Riddle came out on a camel being... And it was being led by a handler. It was on a like a rope. Uh, it was that was just cool. Um, it's impossible for Randy Orton, who was actually in the ring this time. Uh, Randy, it's impossible for Randy Orton and AJ Styles to have a bad match. Uh, they were so good, and when they were in the ring together against each other, uh, they worked so well. They they just have that it that extra gear that extra ring savvy wrestling knowledge where they can uh, just work and make anybody look good and when they're fighting each other they make each other look good uh, it ends when AJ Styles goes for a phenomenal forearm off the top rope Randy Orton gives him the RKO and then tags in Matt Riddle for uh, the floating bro. Just uh, you just gotta look to see it. I can't describe it, but it's a move that Matt Riddle does off the top rope, and Matt Riddle got the pin. Uh, then they had a backstage interview with Becky Lynch. She speaks with a heavy Irish accent, and one of the things that held her back until the fans just stuck it in the WWE's face and said, we like Becky, we want Becky, uh, was Kevin Dunn, the producer, didn't like Becky Lynch's Irish accent. He didn't like the way she pronounces some of her words. Now, the catch to that is, Kevin Dunn, I've been told, has a problem with say it, don't spray it, if you know what I mean. When he talks, he, he slurs and saliva and he has big buck teeth that, and he'll cry if you make fun of the way he looks or talks, uh, yet he judges other people on this. Uh, and it's horrible that a, a great wrestler and a great character like Becky Lynch was held back because of her Irish accent. That's just, that's what her backstage promo made me think. 
The next match was to crown the queen. It's called the Queen's Crown uh, Tournament. Basically, the queen of the ring. Uh, it was Zelina Vega versus Dewdrop. Uh, I was rooting for Dewdrop. You know, I'm proud of these women for wrestling in Saudi Arabia. They had to wear, you know, like I said, full black body suits uh, covered from neck to toe. All you could see was their hands and faces. Uh, and then they had to wear a t-shirt over their, you know, full length body suit. So, Zelina Vega wins this one with uh, what she calls the Code Red. Uh, then the WWE went into this video package uh, where basically they said Crown Jewel was the centerpiece of the Saudi season kickoff. And Saudi Arabia kicked off this uh, season of music, theater, and sports in modern Saudi Arabia. They had a kickoff parade. They had fireworks. 1,500 entertainers there uh, to kick off Saudi season. And then Crown Jewel was the centerpiece of the kickoff. So next we had Bill Goldberg versus Bobby Lashley. And look, 1997, 8, 9, I liked Bill Goldberg. I had his t-shirt. Um, at work. I think it was getting towards. I was working at a on-campus convenience store at Kent State, and one of the bosses gave me a uh, a mug, and it had a Bill Goldberg T-shirt in it, and. We were selling them at the store, but they gave me one since I was such a big wrestling fan. So I, I didn't hate Goldberg then, but his two and a half wrestling moves are down to two. And he's very dangerous because he's 54 years old. And he looks physically in as great condition as he was in the 90s. But still, he's just not a polished wrestler and he's never wanted to be he ended Bret Hart's career with a sloppy super kick that gave Bret a concussion and so I was genuinely worried about the safety of Bobby Lashley who's a great wrestler and at 45 years old he's finally at the top of the business where he should have been 10 20 years ago so, uh, this match, it, it was decent, you know. Uh, they talked about, you know, Goldberg was going to beat Bobby Lashley up. Goldberg kept saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you, which is probably not a good thing to say, especially in Saudi Arabia when, you know, a year or two ago when the WWE was there, uh, the Saudi government had a, reporter murdered and dismembered in one of their 
foreign embassies for reporting negative things about Saudi Arabia. Also, um, last time the WWE was there, they were held on the plane by the Saudi military with guns because there was some kind of dispute over money between Vince and the Saudis. Um, not funny. So anyways, yeah, Goldberg constantly screaming, I'm going to kill you at Lashley. Yeah, probably not the brightest thing, but Goldberg's not the brightest wrestler. So there you go. Uh, yeah, they just beat the heck out of each other. It was a no holds barred, falls count anywhere, no disqualification, obviously, match. Uh, at one point, the Hurt Business came out to help Bobby Lashley. Well, that didn't work. Goldberg just beat the two of them up, which was didn't make any sense because, uh, you know, Sheldon Benjamin and uh, Cedric Alexander are both big, strong dudes. They can certainly hold their own in any scrap. And uh, here they are having their Singapore canes taken off of them very easily by a 54-year-old man <laughs> uh, who they could, you know, certainly hold their own against in a two-on-one fight, let alone with uh, weapons like Singapore canes, but I digress. Um, so, he beats up the Hurt Business, you know, for the first half of the match, Lashley was beating up on Goldberg pretty good, as it should be. Bobby Lashley, a uh, former... Sorry, I dropped the cigar cutter. Uh, Bobby Lashley, a former you know, professional mixed martial artist who had a great record in MMA, should be able to beat Goldberg very soundly, who has no professional fighting experience. So, it ended with uh, Goldberg giving Lashley a spear off of the entrance ramp onto uh, uh, an airbag. <sighs> I mean, it looked like they landed on a nice fluffy feathered mattress or something. But, and then the... <laughs> Corey Graves oversold it, too, by saying, oh, my God, that's going to be 15 feet in the air, when you can clearly see it's, like, maybe five feet at the highest. <clears throat> I mean, if the ramp were 15 feet in the air, the wrestlers wouldn't be clearly taller than the ramp. But anyways, so after the match, Goldberg, uh, a Jew, uh, was loved by the Saudi people. He walked around, you know, shaking hands with the kids, getting hugs from kids and people in the audience. So, and that's a big, big deal for Saudi Arabia. Arab Muslims do not uh, typically like Jewish people. So, here's a, a Jewish performer, Jewish wrestler, whatever you want to call him, going there and being loved by the fans. So, I mean, that's pretty awesome. You know, in a political uh, and religious sense. 
the next match on the card was the King of the Ring. Uh, this used to be its own pay-per-view, and they, they've narrowed it down now to where uh, it's a, a mid-card match on other uh, pay-per-views, like this one. You had Finn Balor versus Xavier Woods. Uh, Xavier Woods wins with the elbow off the top rope. I couldn't take many notes in this match because it was a match you just had to watch. This was like the five-star, legitimate five-star match of the whole show. Uh, just great work by both wrestlers. Uh, my hope is that they don't do the angle where now this goes to Kofi or to Xavier Woods' head and he becomes a cocky heel and they break up the New Day. Uh, you know, factions or what do you, what else did they call them? They used to call them stables. You know, they don't have to always break up, you know. Um, I know in Vince McMahon's world where he's making movies, not just wrestling shows, or he's not in the wrestling business, he's in the entertainment business. You know, he thinks everything's got to be a story and a drama, but you can have Kofi and Xavier be good guys and be a team their whole careers until they retire, hopefully a long time from now, but they don't have to break up and feud. You know, Xavier doesn't have to feud with Big E just because Xavier's king of the ring now. Should Xavier be elevated to that top card status? and have title shots and should he care he should carry Roman Reigns to a good match at some point because you know King of the Ring is a stepping stone toward champion it used to be the Intercontinental was the leapfrog to championship then uh, it became King of the Ring I think I think all but two or three King of the Rings had gone on to be world champion at one point. But anyway, so hopefully they don't screw up the, the New Day, which is a very popular tag team, uh, a very popular stable. Uh, I think they, this should just be, they should just be left alone. That, you know, they're a good positive influence for their community. They're doing a lot of positive things for uh, young black kids, they, okay, I'm going to have to stop the podcast and do a second, second round here, so back, part two of the Crown Jewel Talk podcast. The next matchup after the King of the Ring, Xavier Woods, was crowned was Drew McIntyre versus Big E for the WWE Championship. Um, this match, I, I only I worried a little that McIntyre would win. Uh, I think Big E deserves a long title run. He's earned it. He's earned a big push. He's earned the big paydays. He's a positive person. A good role model uh, and he deserves to be out there 
promoting good morals and good uh, work ethic and you know happiness, positivity as he calls it, uh, to the community, to the world. So McIntyre though also deserves to be champion again because he was the champion for the year that there were no fans. The pandemic year. Uh, he got the WWE through the pandemic year as world champion in front of no fans. And down the road somewhere, he deserves a big title run. Uh, a, a long, maybe a long-term feud with Roman Reigns or something like that. Uh, McIntyre is the best at getting babyface heat I've seen since Hulk Hogan. McIntyre when he sells uh, an injury or he's getting beat up in the ring, he really is believable. He really makes the crowd get behind him. Uh, and then as he makes his comeback, he gets the crowd behind him. So he's got the it factor that we talk about in wrestling. We re He really doesn't need this gimmick where he comes out with a sword and he's uh, a Scottish warrior, the, the sword, his sword Angela that he named after his mother. They, they don't need that anymore in wrestling, guys. I don't know why WWE, Bruce Pritchard and Vince have gone back to the everybody's got to be a cartoon and a gimmick. Let them be themselves turned up to 10. Drew McIntyre was over when he was just Drew McIntyre, the really badass wrestler. And he is good on the microphone. Same thing with Big E. You know, he doesn't... You know, it's good that he's funny. It's good that he's positive. He's smiling. But they also, a few weeks ago in a promo, he uh, told Lashley or somebody, I'm going to kick your ass. And I was like, yes. Big E's got a tough side to go with that monster, muscular body of his. So they just got to let the guys and women turn their personalities up to 10 and get over like Stone Cold and like The Rock when wrestling was good, okay? But uh, with this one, Big E wins the match, continues his reign as world champion. Next, we have another you know historic female match, Bianca Belair versus Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch. So you have two African-American women uh, wrestling uh, here. It's a no disqualification. All three women are legal. Uh, it was a good match. Uh, don't, let, don't, don't think I'm taking anything away from it. But they showed you know, the same typical moves of every uh, three-way match. You know, oh gosh, this person's getting pinned. Uh, the the third person automatically you know runs in you know they're going to come in and break up the pin you know what I'm saying unless it's their match is about 20 minutes in or 15 minutes in you know um, you know that when somebody's in a submission the third wrestler is going to run up and break the <clears throat> the submission up right before somebody taps out but it was a good match. Uh, Bianca showed a lot of strength, a lot of power moves, 
you know, picking Becky and Sasha up on her shoulders at the same time. Uh, and then it, it ends with uh, Becky Lynch rolling Sasha up into a small package and then Becky held onto the bottom rope for leverage. So Becky Lynch retains her SmackDown Women's title. Uh, you finally had the Beast Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns. Roman Noodles. Roman Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, you had Paul Heyman, a uh, Jewish man in Saudi Arabia. I've already pointed out, you know, the past religion and political uh, implica implications that would have had. But here Paul Heyman was welcomed by the fans. They cheered for him. They loved him just like us American fans did. Uh, so maybe the Saudi people are, are changing. Uh, and this is why I'm glad WWE does these shows. Because it's so nice to see, you know, you, you hear things on Fox News. The Saudi people are so bad and so evil. 19 hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. Okay, not cool. But that's not representative of the millions of people in Saudi Arabia. Uh, the Saudi government people that had the reporter murdered, not a representation of the entire country. So, I'm glad we're seeing progress. Uh, anyhow, Roman Reigns, he wore his uh, tribal flowery necklace down to the ring. Uh, people were holding up Paul Heyman signs, like I said. Uh, Brock Lesnar, his first match in 19 months because of the COVID virus. He had been trapped in Canada where he, he loves to live away from society and away from humanoids. Can't blame him there. Although I wouldn't pick Canada. I'd pick a desolate part of the United States. Uh, anyhow, uh, the match goes awry. It was a good match. You know, Brock was dominating Roman for most of it. Uh, Charles R Robinson takes the ref bump, rolls out of the ring. Uh, Lesnar and Reigns are both down. For, uh, well, first of all, Brock uh, was doing his F5, and that's where Roman Reigns' feet hit Charles Robinson and knocked him out of the ring. The crowd counted a five count, which was so cool just to hear and see the, the Saudi Arabian crowd count to five while Brock had Roman pinned with no ref. That was just like, oh man, this is what we do in America. You know, this is like, man, these people are so into this. It was awesome. Um, and so then Heyman, you know, Brock realizes, oh, there's no ref. He gets up. Uh, he gets a spear from Roman Reigns. They're both laying on the mat. Paul Heyman throws the belt into the ring and yells, you know what to do with it. But he threw it in between the two guys. So who was he throwing the belt to? Oh, he's throwing it to Brock Lesnar. Oh, my goodness. And then, uh, you know, Brock gets up. Roman grabs the belt. Brock grabs the belt. They're having tug of war. The Uso brothers come out. 
double super kick Brock. Uh, Roman, you know, uses the belt to hit uh, Brock Lesnar, throws it out of the ring, and Roman wins. Ha ha. That was what I wrote. Kind of a good match. Like all all nine matches on this card were good. Uh, Ten if you count the pre-show match. So I loved it. I like what WWE is doing in Saudi Arabia. I don't think that we should hold the the bad history that uh, Saudi Arabia has against the people of Saudi Arabia. Can you really tell me that all the millions of people that live there are are Muslim terrorists? No, you can't say that with a straight face. You know, yes, their government does some bad things. Yes, 19 hijackers and Osama bin Laden were from Saudi Arabia. But ask anybody that's met, and I've seen some people who have met bin Laden's family. You know, bin Laden went that way and his family was that way. You know, he went extremist and his family not extremist. Um... Not going to go there, but you know we can't hold everything that's happened in the past against people. Um, I jokingly say I'm still pissed off about Pearl Harbor, but do I genuinely hold a grudge against Japanese people over Pearl Harbor? No. So as this new king of Saudi Arabia tries to move them into the 19th century at least, uh, maybe someday they'll get to the 20th century and the 21st. Uh, as far as, you know, human rights, women's rights, etc., etc. But if American comedians like Gabriel Iglesias, uh, Jeff Dunham, um, Russell Peters, uh, if companies, entertainment companies like the WWE... Don't go to Saudi Arabia and spread freedom and fun and entertainment. Nothing will ever change. So I think that there can obviously, you know, being at war with uh, the Middle East and Arabs and uh, Muslims doesn't bring peace. So as different leaders come in, like I said, uh, this Muslim girl told me the new king is a little more open to women's rights and so uh, and human rights and so on and so forth. Maybe we can work towards you know peace and change uh, through him, and maybe that then can work its way out into the rest of the Middle East. Um, not going to be an easy thing. I'm not saying professional wrestling is going to bring world peace. Well, I do say that, but obviously I don't mean it. Uh, but you know, we can't we can't hate people. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can drive out hate, and we need to show love to other people, and hopefully, other people feel the need to show love to us. So, with that, God bless you all. It's been a long podcast. I like talking Raiders, and I like talking wrestling, and I even worked a little politics into both.
thou, that all three of my loves into one podcast. What do you know? Uh, God bless America and God bless y'all. Pray for each other. Uh, I jam out of here to uh, the rest of Sophie Lloyd's guitar solo, we would say. Ooh.